1: What's up, everybody? This is Trey Biddy with Hogsports.com, H-A-W-G-Sports.com. What a big matchup we have this weekend. Number 16, Arkansas versus number 7, Texas A&M. Jeff Tarpley at Giggum 24-7 is going to join us to discuss the matchup. Also going to be joined by Curtis Wilkerson. Yeah, this is your Arkansas versus Texas A&M primer. All right, everybody, it's finally here. What a big game we have coming up this weekend. I mean, it doesn't get much better than this in Arlington. And uh, before we get started, of course, I want to remind you, well, we're not going to do a lot of how to watch and how to listen stuff. I just want to let you know it's two months for $1 right now at hogsports.com, H-A-W-G sports.com. There's no promo code or anything required. Just go to the site. You'll see uh, the advertisement right there to sign up. It breaks down to $0.02 a day, $0.11 a week, and only $0.50 a month. It's a great deal right now to get in with hogsports.com. Again, H-A-W-G sports.com. Two months for just $1 at hogsports. All right, let's jump right into it. So this game got a little housekeeping stuff together here. This game is at 2:30 p.m. on CBS. You can also stream it with the CBS app or go to the CBS website. We'll have all that stuff on Hog Sports with all the how to watch information including a full list of radio affiliates, uh, all that information. AT&T Stadium, 80,000 seats. There is standing room, but 80,000 seats in Arlington. It's going to be 88 degrees, no chance of precipitation. They have that uh, retractable roof. So, uh, it seems like a lot of times when Arkansas has been there lately, it has been covered. So, Texas A&M currently a a five-and-a-half point favorite. And the over-under is set at 47-and-a-half. Typically, this isn't a super high-scoring game. It has been a couple of years, but typically it hasn't been. Last year uh, was one of those examples where it was a little more high-scoring. So, the main issues for, for this game with to me like when I look at obviously the quarterback situation I feel like Arkansas has got a better quarterback situation with KJ Jefferson who came into the season as a starter versus Zach Calzada that doesn't mean Zach Calzada is bad uh, it just means that he's not as good as Haynes King was, you know, that's – and I think Haynes King has a lot of potential. I really do. Uh, But he's going to be out for this one. And, you know, they've got a few more injuries, and we'll talk to Jeff Tarpley a little bit about some of that stuff. But when I look at the matchup, you know, I look at a really stout Texas A&M defensive line versus Arkansas's offensive line. I think that Ricky Stromberg probably has a better chance of playing if he does over Wagner, but we'll see because Wagner has that back issue, and those can be tricky, and Stromberg looked like he popped up pretty good. Now, the last practice we went to on Tuesday, neither of those guys were dressed out, so we'll see how that plays out, but Arkansas, I feel like, can absorb it a little bit better because you do have Luke Jones and Bo Limmer in the mix, and Bo Limmer was actually starting the Georgia Southern game ahead of Ty Clary, Clary, who started two years at center for Arkansas, so... No, it's not ideal. There's a reason, as Sam Pittman said, you have a depth chart. You have a, a first group and a second group. But really, the only change here that we're seeing that's major, I would say, uh, is uh, is uh, Luke Jones basically moving up to the starting lineup at left guard, where he challenged all fall camp and all spring with with Bo Lemmer, because Bo Lemmer shifts over to the right guard. Uh, excuse me, the right tackle spot. So just to make it clear for anybody listening, Bo Lemmer goes from left guard to right tackle. Bo Lemmer, who started Georgia Southern, is your right guard. Ty Clary, who has been the starter at right guard, is starting at center where he started two years of his career, not last year, but 2018, 2019. Luke Jones, who was battling for the starting left guard spot, is at left guard, and then Myron Cunningham at left tackle. And – I would say the only thing that would change, like if Strongberg could come back, then, you know, nothing else changes except for Strongberg going in as the starter. Um, you know, with Ty Clary probably being the top backup at a lot of spots. So that's that's how it could go, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see if, how that shakes out. But very deep defensive line for Texas A&M. So that is a battle that I would think Texas A&M might have a slight advantage in. But when you flip it to the other side, Arkansas's defensive line versus Texas A&M's offensive line, they replaced four starters from a year ago, and one of their key players might be out. The Tennessee transfer might be out for this one, so that's something to watch. Uh, but I just feel like Arkansas's defensive line is going to give them more problems than the other way around. Not that that's any disrespect to Texas A&M's defensive line because they've got one of the best in the country. I'm just saying the matchup just as far as the matchup goes. And I think that's going to be a key point. You know, we talked about Zach Calzada. Is he a better quarterback than K.J. Jefferson? I think that Arkansas has the edge in the quarterback matchup in this one, um, which we haven't been able to say for the last several years. So that's something that's different about this game, and it's a big factor with it. So there's a lot of interesting ins and outs with this team, and, you know, we'll talk with uh, with the guys a little bit more about about all that stuff. So – Pretty much for the injury situation, that's that seems to be about it for the major injuries for Arkansas is those offensive line issues. Uh, Traylon Smith has been dealing with a shoulder I- injury. He, he was in a green jersey. Jalen Catalan still is in a green jersey, but he's been playing and practicing in a green jersey uh, since forever, since fall camp. Uh, Traylon Burks was not in a green jersey, and that has been something he's been in. Even in the full day on Tuesday, he was not in green, so that's good. Uh First-team offense and defense, pretty much how you would expect it from how we saw in practice. They were in a three-man front. Doesn't mean that they'll actually go three-man front. I think it's interesting because, you know, they talk about being multiple so much, and it's like, okay, this game we're going to be in a three-man front. Well, this game we're going to be in a four-man front. It's never like we're going to mix it up. We'll be three and four, some and some, you know. Uh, so it's like been either or. So, But this one I maybe could see them mixing it up a little bit more. Arkansas does have some good depth on the defensive line. That's a real important matchup to watch, especially with a quarterback in Calzada who, you know, he might be thrown to some different receivers. There's a couple of his guys, uh, including Smith, uh, who's also the return guy, their starting spl- uh, slot, uh, who uh, I guess is going through concussion protocol. My experience is if you're, if you're going through concussion protocol, you miss the next week's game. But they're saying day-to-day. But at least at Arkansas, every time I've seen somebody that had a concussion or concussion protocol, they didn't play the next week. So kind of where things are. We went behind enemy lines, and we'll go over kind of how that article went um, here in just a little bit. You know, I would like to see just looking at the way the running back situation is talked about, is shaken out. And we talked about this a little last week, but Dominic Johnson, I would really like to see him get more carries. He's from like 20 minutes away in Crowley, Texas. So he doesn't live far from there. There's a lot of guys on Arkansas's roster from Texas. But, you know, Johnson at 6'1, 235 has really been the surprise player. 15 carries. Only 15 carries for 132 yards and three touchdowns. Not just the big lumbering back that you think. Uh, he is averaging 8.8 yards a carry. He has the team's longest run at 48 yards. And he was going in with the second group on Saturday, ahead of, uh, not on Saturday, ahead of uh, Rocket Sanders on Tuesday when we were watching practice when they were doing the fastball stuff. So, usually it's been Traylon Smith, then uh, then Rocket. but uh, um, And I can't remember. I think Traylon Smith was in there, so – But I would like to see him – the 48-yard run he had last weekend, that was his last carry. He got back in the game, got the wind knocked out of him. But that was his last carry. uh, And we spoke – we got an opportunity to speak to him on Tuesday. I think maybe for the first time that we spoke to Dominic Johnson as a Razorback. So – Arkansas has got a lot of good backs, and a lot of that is credit to the offensive line. Usually you don't just have four backs. You feel good about rotating in and out. They're all a little bit different. I just think Dominic right now – now I think – I've said before, I think A.J. Green might have the highest ceiling once he gets pass protection and stuff down, gets a little bit more comfortable just because of his incredible speed. He reminds me a little of B. John Robinson, reminds me in other ways of Alex Collins, and probably not as thick and stuff as I've mentioned. But uh, I just think that A.J. Green has so much potential. And not that Rocket Sanders doesn't – doesn't either because he does just a different kind of back Uh, I think Sam Pittman compared him to Jonathan Williams which I think isn't a bad comparison for him but uh, I really like the way Dominic Johnson is running right now just big brutal to tackle would like to see more of him on Saturday especially coming from so close down there Arkansas is going to be able to hit the recruiting roads in Texas this week. They haven't done that. They've been able to do that, but they haven't gone out and seen recruits yet. Uh, you know, they've been home, so they could go to, you know, Fayetteville games. But they want to get their routine down, make sure that they – everybody knows what to do in case, you know, something happens. But, you know, Sam Pittman's not going to be there. They're going to have coordinators running practices and stuff on Friday, you know, which is walkthrough type of stuff. So the coaches will be able to get out on the road in Texas and, uh, and get a look at some of these prospects for the first time. I mean, this is the first time that – Pittman has been able to go out and look at prospects in person uh, during this evaluation period. So uh, that's a good opportunity for them, especially since they're in Texas. Uh, Danny West has more on that at Hog Sports. It is a VIP article, but he has more on, on that. The 2022 Razorback football schedule was announced, not to look too far ahead, but big surprise, Arkansas has the toughest schedule in the SEC and probably in the country. Again, 3 P as Sam Pittman said, national champions of hardest schedule. I mean, it may be longer than that, but understand, Pittman, this will be three straight years. They open with Cincinnati on September 3rd. Cincinnati is currently nationally ranked. I think they're like in the top 10. Then they get a – this is nice. They get a – they open with an SEC home game against South Carolina. That doesn't happen a lot for Arkansas for some reason. Technically, this is an SEC home game that's opening up against Texas A&M, but it's in Arlington in a split crowd. So, a home game, and then it's the fighting Bobby Petrino September 17th with Missouri State, if he's still there. Missouri State coming to Fayetteville and Bobby Petrino. I mean, that's three weeks there, no weeks off. What's next? Texas A&M and Arlington. At least Arkansas is the away team for that one, so they don't lose the home game. So that's your first four weeks. Your fifth week is Alabama in Fayetteville. And then it's at Mississippi State. Then you get a bye week, a much-needed bye week, by the way. And then you get BYU at BYU, middle of the slate, middle of the season, middle of the SEC slate, you got to go to BYU. So tough. Who scheduled that? Why would you schedule that in the middle of the season at BYU? That's got to be an early week game. And then at Auburn. So you have basically at Mississippi State, by week, at BYU, at Auburn, coming off the Alabama game, coming off the Texas A&M game. That's a brutal stretch. You should three three road games in a row with a bye week in there. And then it doesn't get easier. You step out of conference, but it's Liberty. Liberty currently is the 26th most receiving votes team in the coaches poll and 27th in the AP. Liberty and Hugh Freeze, November 5th, coming to Fayetteville. Does it get any easier? Oh, LSU's next. LSU in Fayetteville. Ole Miss in Fayetteville. Hey, here's a little stretch of home games, and then it's at Missouri. And I'm thinking that Missouri game, obviously likely to be moved to the Friday after uh, Thanksgiving, but I'm hoping, thinking that they move it to Arrowhead because that's how it was supposed to be the last time. So that's the schedule coming up, guys, 2022. But we got to focus on 2021 because it's equally brutal. And this stretch right here is a tough one. Three straight road games, and then you come home to Auburn. Three straight road games, and then you come home to Auburn. Shouldn't happen. Shouldn't have to deal with that. Shouldn't have to go on the road three times, but it's Arkansas's fault because they had this Arlington game. That Arlington game should be, if anything, a non-conference game. It shouldn't be an SEC home game. All right. Am I ready to go to Jeff Tarpley? I think we are. So for those of you who don't follow Jeff Tarpley, it's at 247TARP on Twitter. And he's a good follow if you want uh, excuse me, if you want Texas A&M uh, Aggie News. So we'll get to him real quick, see what his thoughts are. We've been communicating with Jeff throughout the week just to kind of get a lowdown on how things might shake out in this one.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,
1: Jeff Tarpley, how you doing, sir?
0: Pretty good, Trey. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. It's good to have you back on again. Uh, it's been a while since we spoke, I guess probably <laughs> probably about a year since we've uh, had an opportunity to speak um, on this same podcast, but uh, we're glad to have you on. and. Uh, we do a little uh, exchange here, so we're not going to go too far from our our five questions exchange here. So you'll you should be geared up for the listeners. Um, just want to jump into it and uh, just uh, if you could update us a little bit on the uh, Texas A and M injury report for the listeners. Well, I don't think it's any different than what I
0: relayed yesterday uh, that uh, in, in the in the Q and A that went up this morning as I, I, the. The question marks remain offensive lineman Layden Robinson and Slot and Aya Smith. Uh, if they can't go, then that's going to be an issue. It's going to be an issue for A&M more so in terms of Robinson mm-hmm. than it will be Anaya Smith. Uh, Moose Muhammad stepped in, had a touchdown catch last week. Doesn't have, doesn't have problems fielding punts. Uh, so in terms of being a punt returner and in terms of being a slot, I think Am's covered just fine there. Uh, with regard to Robinson that's a little more problematic. AM started Blake Trainer who was the backup right tackle mm-hmm. for Kenyon Green and slid Kenyon Green inside. The move didn't work as well probably as Am wanted to. Uh, New Mexico generated more pressure than what we had seen uh, in the pass rush. In the first two games, and most of it came from the right side of the line, which would have been New Mexico's left side. I, we don't know at this point what A and M is going to do going forward. Uh, however, there's probably a better chance—you know—there's probably a better chance that Robinson suits up this week. We haven't heard anything to that effect, other than the fact that he was supposed to return to practice and he's day-to-day uh sam Pittman's kind of been under the you know he's he's been kind of under the radar too as far as injuries so both coaches employing a little gamemanship here in what is turning out to be a game that has far more importance now than what it was probably perceived to during the preseason
1: Again, Jeff Tarpley uh, joining us here with uh, Hog Sports Live. You can follow him again at two four seven Tarp. Hey, uh, Jeff. One of the uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was the center In the game notes we got. It was Matthews listed as the center, and then in our Q and A exchange, you mentioned uh, uh, that the freshman uh, starts there. What 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 is the dynamic? I guess that happened with the center position and well, why it's different.
0: Luke Matthews has, has battled injuries throughout his a&m career uh he he missed all of last season he's been problematic in both spring and fall camp and then coming into the season he actually played in the opener and then missed the second game against colorado missed the third one against new mexico so they just simply needed to have someone who they could count on on a game-to-game basis and, and and bryce foster's the guy and foster is a he's a four-star that a lot of aggies thought could have been rated as a five-star he's 320 pounds he's a massive massive guy uh he looks like an upperclassman physically Uh, he won the uh, class 6a texas state shot championships in the spring that tells you an idea of what kind of explosiveness he has he hasn't had any issues necessarily from a physical standpoint and interestingly enough, the first two games, a did a very good job of dealing with uh, stunts and blitzes in terms of their pass protections versus Kent State and Colorado. Things broke down, tended to break down a little bit last week, uh, more so in the run game, uh, also in the, uh, also in more so with regard to pass protection. But he has been so far as, as good as you would hope a true freshman be and he doesn't give up much physically mm-hmm. because he's as big already as most sec nose tackles mm-hmm. he's not going to get pushed around there's going to be times somebody gets a you know has a, gets on his shoulder and and gets some penetration but for the most part he had any problems snapping he hadn't any many problems with the, with the calls and he's held up physically so from that standpoint, he not he not only has a very, very bright future, but he's actually provided A and M with a very, very solid present as well.
1: Well, that could be a really interesting matchup to watch because Arkansas does have a, a Mammoth on the other side also and John Ridgway who goes six six three twenty. 320. So that will be an intriguing matchup. So far, Ridgway has really manhandled the centers that he's faced, but uh, I don't think he's faced one that's 330 yet. So <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be cool to watch. Uh, Zach Calzada, what are your impressions of his start to the season? What do you like about him, and where is he struggling? Well,
0: he came in cold off the bench. In a, in a, and it was a neutral site game, but it still wasn't at Kyle Field, so you had to deal with crowd noise, you had to deal with nerves, that kind of thing. For the first three quarters, he, you know, mechanics were off, delivery was off, he was throwing the ball high. But the one thing he didn't do in those first three quarters that could have probably effectively ended the game for AM and and what he's had a tendency to do in, let's say, contact work, scrimmages, that kind of thing, is throw interceptions uh particularly uh, it was interesting haynes king threw three picks in the opener they were all between the hashes calzada tends to struggle more so outside the hashes he, he didn't since then he's had one interception uh in i don't know 41 passes uh, he's thrown four touchdowns and he's averaging closer to 10 yards an attempt so once he got his feet under him you saw the best aspects of Zach Calzada come, come out. He, he's he got a great arm, and I mean this. He, he's he got one of the best arms I've ever seen come through a and I've been watching A&M football since the mid-'70s. It's kind of amazing to see the ball just kind of fly off his hand. Uh, he's got a very, very quick release. And, and And that probably has been the root cause of the issues he's had in terms of his decision-making. And the turnovers, in that he trusts his arm so much, he thinks I can get it past anyone, and he'll hold it. A, he'll hold it a tick too long, mm-hmm. and as a result, it gives the defend. You know, if, if the route's not run quite as well as it needs to be, it gives the defender a chance to undercut the throw, or he'll just throw it right to someone, or maybe he'll hold the ball too long and and take a sack. And he did that a couple of times last week. But in terms of everything you wanted him to be. Uh, he's been those things. And it's interesting, too, because Haynes King was really played up in, in before the season started by, by Jimbo Fisher. Uh, he touted him in the media. He touted him it, it, when he went and talked to the faithful during uh, summer gatherings in, in the major cities here in Texas. And yet now it's Calzada's chance, and so far Calzada He's played to his strengths, and he hadn't turned over the football. He's been a little more mobile than people wanted him to be. Now, again, you know, we'll see what happens Saturday against a defense that tends to turn you over. And if he can avoid those things, then again, I think A&M, I think that's the key to the game. If he avoids those types of mistakes, I think A&M wins. I think if he doesn't, it becomes very, very problematic for A&M to win this football game.
1: Jeff Tarpley, again, from Giggum247, columnist joining us. And just real quick, I had a correction I had to make, I see in the comments here. I I guess I said uh, Bo Limmer moving to right tackle, but I meant Brady Latham. Sorry, I got my BLs confused there. So, Jeff, back to this matchup. Uh, What do you see the the key matchup being – I know I'm really intrigued with both uh, you know offensive line versus defensive line on both sides but what do you see the key matchup being and how do you see this one playing out on Saturday?
0: I think if you if you once you get past hey Arkansas lives on turnovers and AM has to avoid turnovers with the football. I think the next step is what I kind of wrote about yesterday and that's the interior of AM's run defense versus Arkansas's scheme and offensive line. Arkansas, you watch them. You, if you've watched Kendall Browse over the years and that offense—not just him running it, but also when his dad Art ran it at Baylor—and they've had disciples move on to other places, uh, even to the extent that uh, you know Jeff Levy runs—you know—is the offense coordinator at Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin runs it. Uh, Alabama runs it to an extent. Is that you? You pull guys from the backside. And you also load up most people place the tight end opposite the back and Arkansas and, and in the Brawls offense you place the H back tight end on the side of the back. And but basically you're you're pulling people, you're it's power football, it's power and talent. And but you're teaching that back to read those blocks to be patient and then cut that. Cut that run back over the middle. And Arkansas has been very, very good at that this year. You look at their averages per carry. I mean, it's five, six, and eight yards carry out of their top three backs, other than uh, quarterback KJ Jefferson. AM struggled in the first six quarters of the season. In terms of its run defense, there were some elements to that. They were missing the Kinley Jackson, who is now back, 330-pound nose tackle, who was a highly rated four-star coming out of high school and was part of the rotation at defensive tackle last season. The backers, they haven't quite got the play out of the backers uh, I think that they, they had hoped for. Buddy, jo- I think they're missing Buddy Johnson to an extent, who was the Mike backer last year. A true B-back gap to B-gap backer who could step up from three to five yards off the football, make plays at the line of scrimmage, or read blocks, cut in behind those blocks, and make stops behind the line of scrimmage. Aaron Hansford is more of an off-the-ball guy. He's, he's 230, 235 pounds and he can run. He's a great athlete. He's a converted wideout for crying out loud. But he, he's not necessarily a true Mike in that regard, and so I think a kind of misses that. In addition, the guys that a and plugged in in Jax's absence at the nose, they, they either haven't played as well as him, even if they've been big guys in terms of commanding double teams and freeing those backers up to make those plays, or they've plugged in guys who are more akin to three-text them. They've kicked uh, defensive into Marvin Leal, down from the outside. They've also played a a five-star freshman in Shamar Turner. Both of them are similar physically. They're 280, 285 pounds. They have great get-off, but they're guys who are going to make plays in the backfield and maybe not hold ground as much as, say, a true nose tackle would like a Jackson, like Bobby Brown, who was a fourth-round pick of the Rams and who was very, very good, very underrated for A&M last season. Now, however, in the last six quarters, AM's run defense has been much, much better. The run fits have been better. They don't over pursue as much. The backers are stepping up more. Uh, I, I think they've surrendered uh, a grand total of like 170 yards in the last six quarters. That go- it wasn't a goal line stand necessarily against Colorado. It was. It was I think fourth and like a foot from Colorado's five yard line, so it wasn't a goal line stand necessarily. But since AM made it stand late in the first half of that Colorado game, that seemed to energize and, in particular, refocus that defense. And they've been much better in terms of their assignments. Uh, last week, they took a triple, off, a triple option offense in New Mexico, absolutely smothered them, never gave them a chance to breathe. Uh, you know, conflict defenders stayed in position. They didn't give New Mexico any good reads. Uh, when they had the opportunity, they you know put them in passing situations they got after the quarterback. So I think with Jackson being back, this is a defense that's going to look more like it did last season in terms of that run defense than it did in the first six quarters of the game. And I think from that standpoint, the game's going to be won or lost there. Arkansas's offensive line is experienced. They understand, you know, they understand alignments, they understand how to change up their blocks on the move. They get their hands out, they sustain contact, they do all the things that you see experienced offensive lines do. But AM's defensive line, very athletic. They've got SEC size. And so and they rotate people. So they're not necessarily going to wear AM out. As a result, I think it's going to be very, very fascinating to see if AM's discipline and size and athleticism holds up against Arkansas's patience in the backfield and their experience up front and if A&M can you know one component is the turnovers if A&M can also sh- shut down Arkansas's interior run game keep those backs from bending back behind the quarterback then Arkansas's offense which helps out the passing game you know gets play action going in the passing game because you run the football, then I think Arkansas has a much, much harder time getting its offense going. And if I had to bet on one or the other happening, I would bet on A&M simply because this is a really, really good front four for A&M, and not just in terms of the starters, but the backups are also quality players, and you've got unsung guys up front that are also quality football players. So I, I would bet on a and side of the ball, But again, as we've seen in the last few years, hadn't been a lot of blowouts in the series, and that's why they played the games, and this has tended to be a one-score game going forward, I think, you know, over over time. I think A&M wins, but I think they win by one score. I've predicted in the past to kind of get out of hand. Those days are done until it actually happens. I'm not, you know, at Arlington, I'm not going to make that kind of prediction
1: all right jeff geez leave some commentary for the rest of us man <laughs> that was great stuff um again if you ever wondered if jeff tarpley doesn't do his homework uh, absolutely does fantastic job there jeff really appreciate having you on and uh i guess i'll see you in arlington
0: yes sir we'll all right, right, there, Trey. thanks so much for the opportunity
1: all right really enjoyed having you on jeff tarpley with gigam 247 columnist there uh, does a great job over for our Texas A&M site. All right, I want to jump over to Curtis Wilkerson now. Curtis, if you don't follow Curtis, he's at Kurt Wilkerson underscore, which is a terrible Twitter handle, but he's got a really long name, and that's all he could come up with. So follow at Kurt Wilkerson underscore on Twitter. And if you want to follow his VIP Razorback basketball coverage, which has been a lot of stuff coming out here lately, uh, then you'll want a VIP membership. And, again, it's just $2 right now for your uh, – For your excuse me, no, one dollar for two months, even better, one dollar for two months right now at hawgsports.com. All right, let's get to Curtis. Hey, Trey. Hey, Curtis. I don't know if you were listening just now, but Jeff Tarpley just gave us insight on every single thing about this game. Uh, so there's not a whole lot left for you to chew on here. So should uh, we we'll just r- jump right into basket- <laughs> <to> basketball stuff? <laughs> he gave us plenty of information for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. You know, the, the one thing I will say about that, and it's interesting. You know, I was kind of uh, focused in on that Texas A&M defense.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, throughout the week and. You know, one thing that that he didn't really mention, and and something that I haven't heard mentioned a lot, uh, is about that secondary at Texas A and M. And you know, you you take a look, and a lot of that talks about that defensive line. It's it's, it's salty. There's no doubt about it. But you know, by the numbers, this is a, a Texas A and M defense and a secondary that's that's pretty tough. I mean, they're allowing 77 yards per game through the air, uh, haven't allowed a passing touchdown uh you know three yards per per attempt there so uh they rank number one nationally in in passing defense and passing efficiency defense so i I thought that was interesting and something to keep an eye on now obviously uh they haven't necessarily been facing you know the the type of guys they're going to see when they when they line up against a Traylon burks this weekend so uh will be will be interesting to see you know how that plays out but yeah I, i think other than that man he he covered it pretty thoroughly.
1: There, yeah, he, he really did. <laughs> um, we do a five burning questions thing, uh, and uh, you you asked a uh, you asked some interesting ones. The first one is: This the year for Arkansas? What do you mean by that? Do you think this is the year that they take down Texas A and M?
2: Well, I, I tell you what: If if it's not this year, then when is it? You know, mm. it's it's just so interesting. I, I think if you if you take a look at the matchup this season, uh, it does shape up well for Arkansas. They're probably in a better position than they've been in several years and you know coming in Texas A&M is still kind of trying to figure some things out you know a number of guys who uh, have been hurt that have been you know working themselves back in and obviously trying to get a new quarterback settled in there with with Calzada so uh, you know I, I think it lines up well for Arkansas there but the thing about it is with this game Uh, you got to throw everything out the window when it Mm -hmm. comes to to records and everything that that the teams have done up to this point. So uh, it's going to be really interesting. I think this is the best shot that they've had in a while, and uh, I I will be predicting an Arkansas win in this one.
1: So um, this is Arkansas's first game away from Fayetteville. They played three games in Fayetteville. I think it's kind of an interesting deal because – just looking ahead, you know, you've got the trip to Athens, you got the trip to Oxford uh, coming up after this one, but you kind of slide into not really a road game, and I, I mentioned this to Sam Pittman on Wednesday, uh, but it's not really a road game, but it has aspects of a road game because you're traveling, but you still get half of your fans there. I think it's an interesting kind of way to slide into uh, a road stretch here coming out. Um, but I also think it's interesting, Curtis, that uh, Sam Pittman's not going to mention Uh, are not going to take the players uh, to the stadium before he said that's kind of an old school way of doing things they'll see the stadium for the first time on Saturday
2: yeah I thought that was really interesting too and and that was a really good point that you that you brought up in the press conference the other day about uh, you know kind of having that split atmosphere before you jump in with with both feet at Georgia next weekend but yeah it's true you know you you always wonder how a team is going to fare the first time they they get out of their own stadium and uh, you know, it's just a change of that routine, you know, getting on a, getting on a bus, getting on a plane, you know, and, and the hotel and different things with, with team meals and all those things are a little bit different. It just kind of changes up the routine. Um, and so you have to adjust the focus a little bit there, but you know, another thing that Pittman mentioned there was, you know, it's going to be a, a different background, uh, in terms of fielding kicks and, and punts and catching passes, uh, and, and the environment's going to be a little bit different. So, yeah, that, that does kind of surprise me that they're not going to take the team there uh, the day before. I I thought that was fairly common. I guess it's not. But, mm-hmm. hey, like he said, they, they think they've got plenty of time to, to kind of adjust and get acclimated there in pregame, and uh, more power to them.
1: How are you going to do, like, the Hoosiers speech about the measurements of everything? I mean, <laughs> Did That's you, right. Do you watch Ted Lasso? I don't know if you do, but he did the same. He did that with soccer. He's like, I think you'll find the measurements of this pitch are the exact same as ours. One back, ours back in Richmond, and they're like, uh, no, <laughs> actually this is much larger. This is the largest one, and like they, all, all the soccer fields are different. I didn't even know that they're all different sizes. But uh, I, I don't that was, guess I realized that either. That's yeah. a fantastic. Show but I'm life. pretty sure here that uh, it's going to be uh, 120 yards long, and what is it, 53 feet wide? I'm, I'm pretty yeah, sure that, it'll be the same. Ten yards. For a first down. (laughs) Same deal. Exactly. So uh you kind of touched on this a little bit, but man, when you look at the numbers with Texas A and M and their pass defense, number one in the country, only allowing seventy seven point three passing yards per game, which is just phenomenal. Only sixty two point two percent efficiency and forty seven point four percent completion percentage. Three yards per attempt. That's those are incredible uh... numbers. I don't care who you're playing. (laughs)
2: Right, that's that's really really good, and uh, that you know that's kind of what I noted out there. I don't I don't know the teams that they have played necessarily air it out a whole bunch. We've seen that Colorado offense in particular really struggle mm. uh, throughout the season, but man, it, it, it's hard to argue with that kind of production. Uh, so yeah I'm going to be really interested to see you know they've got some players in there who have really stepped up for him Leon O'Neal uh his one is one who's made a significant leap I think from last season you know he's got four pass breakups a couple interceptions early on uh heard a lot of really good things at at corner on Jalen Jones he's been very solid and I know that they're really happy with uh the way Antonio Johnson has really busted out this season at nickel He, he leads the team right now with 18 tackles so uh you know They've really shut down their opponents so far. Like I said, though, they haven't seen a trail in Burks yet. So I'm just really interested to see how that matchup goes. But, man, oh, man, those are uh, are some pretty impressive numbers through three weeks of the season, no doubt.
1: Oh, yes. Again, Curtis Wilkerson joining us. If you don't follow Curtis, it's at Kurt Wilkerson underscore. That's the best you could do with a Twitter handle, right, Curtis.
2: That's the best I could do. <laughs> <laughs> I ran out of characters. I couldn't even put my full name in it. Yeah,
1: it used to be Sea Will Coops. That wasn't too bad. Maybe we <laughs> maybe consider going back to that. But, yeah, uh, it's time for a change. <laughs> anyway, Curtis handles uh, all of our basketball coverage and uh, and uh, recruiting, basketball recruiting, and there's a, a lot of stuff going on. And We're going to touch on that just a little bit too. Um, I'm just going to kind of gloss over these next two points real quick, Curtis, because I want to get to those, and we're, we're getting a little short on time. But um, Sure. Playmakers, can they handle the playmakers? You point out Isaiah Spiller, who uh, they're a fantastic running back. Uh, Devon Achain, a- a- Chain a- I can't remember, but he's a he's a All-American in track and field, so he's the backup running back. He can really, really get it. Uh, Jalen Weitermeyer really killed him last year. I mean, that guy – I felt like Weidermeyer and Traylon Burks and Jalen Catalan were the best players on the field uh, when they were out Agreed. there. Um, and then uh, Aniah Smith, who, as I mentioned earlier – is going through concussion protocols. I understand it. They really like Moose Muhammad behind him, but uh, he is an electric uh, return guy. Uh, so that, that's going to be a big point that you uh, that you mentioned. And then uh, just wanted to, to get to the trenches because that is, uh, to me, on both sides of the ball, what's going to decide the outcome of this. As long as it's clean, you know, as long as there's not just like a rash of turnovers and penalties.
2: Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. I I thought Tarp did a really nice job of you know breaking down kind of that that weakness people look at that the run defense there with Texas A&M and it has been better uh, over the last game game and a half but it was really on the interior and, and I do think that they kind of just have a different look a different element with, you know getting McKinley Jackson back that guy's a load uh, he's a he's a big man and so you know to me uh, you see a guy like that come back and it's obviously going to give the Aggies a boost and it just makes you know ricky stromberg situation loom that much larger to me you know if he's available and and healthy you know is he a guy that can handle that assignment with, without you know requiring a bunch of double teams and things of that nature uh not to say that ty clary couldn't do that i don't know but that's that's a tough assignment there so obviously uh, have the eyes on that and then yeah the, you know the other side of the ball uh you mentioned John Ridgeway. Speaking of loads, I mean, you know the, the impact that he's able to make there in the trenches uh, could, could just be huge for Arkansas, especially uh, you know going up against what you know is either going to you know probably a true freshman there at center, or, uh, you know a little bit of, of inexperience. So uh, definitely going to be key there, and, and obviously you want to get some pressure on that, that young quarterback at Texas A&M. So, uh, A and M. So definitely a situation to watch.
1: I always say that, uh, you know, you can kind of wrap up the Ten Commandments in one thing. It's basically like, you know, doing to others kind of thing. And uh, I feel the same way with the keys to victory. I always feel like it's mistakes and capitalizing on mistakes. And you have kind of run through these as you always do. Penalties, turnovers, special teams, injuries, those are always key factors. And uh, you always add a nice fifth one here. And this week is three is nice, but six is better. And that's – I mean, if in the Texas game, Curtis – if they'd have punched a couple of those in, I mean, it could have been 60 hung on Texas.
2: Yeah, it's that's so true. And, and you know, you, you're feeling good about everything that Arkansas is doing throughout that first half. But, you know, when three of those become field goals, you know, and, and 16 to nothing is great. But like you said, you get mm-hmm. one more touchdown or, or even two out of that. But it just looks a lot different. And When you think about a series like this one with Texas A&M, where so many of these games have ended in – you know, one-score heartbreak, well, putting that thing in the end zone would, would be nice. And, you know, Evans has done a really nice job of converting uh, when they get in the red zone. But there's, you know, you look at Cam Little, and four of, of his six field goals have been, I, I think, from 26 yards or closer. Uh, so you want to convert that at a little bit higher of a rate. And, and it's going to be difficult. You know, Texas A&M does have a defense that leads the SEC in their fourth nationally uh in the red zone they're only allowing points from their opponents 50 percent of the time so that's definitely one to watch there as well
1: all right curtis we're going to change gears a little bit because there is a lot going on with basketball and um so what are your what are your thoughts on um nick smith first he's got a decision date coming up how do you think how do you think things are shaking up there
2: Arkansas, I, I mean, the popular belief there was that Alabama was in really good position. And, you know, they, they got Nick to campus. He was able to experience that atmosphere during the Texas weekend mm-hmm. uh, and got back home. And all of a sudden, it seemed like the tides had turned. And, you know, you expect that to a degree. You know, people come out, you know, get on those visit highs. And, uh, you know, you, you kind of want to wait and see how things shape up a few days later and, and into the next week. And so far, Uh, You know, it's really seemed like Arkansas has been able to to carry that momentum. And, you know, Eric Musselman and the coaching staff have been over to North Little Rock a number of times since that visit uh, to see Nick at practice, which, you know, uh, obviously showing their interest there, no doubt. But, hey, you know, he's he's announcing his commitment next next week on Wednesday. It's it's at the same place that Moses Moody announced his. It's open to the public. You you sure would think that those are all good signs for Arkansas. You, You never know. Uh, you know, this is a recruitment that's had a lot of twists and turns and, and back and forth, so I wouldn't say that anything would necessarily surprise me, but I, I do like where Arkansas stands currently enough to where I, I did put a crystal ball in for him earlier this week.
1: And where are things right now with Jordan Walsh?
2: Yeah, Jordan Walsh, you know, that's so interesting. I, I kind of had him on commitment watch back in June after his visit, uh, you know, just hearing from both ends, and, and especially him and, and his family. they just They just really enjoyed their time uh in Fayetteville and it just came across so genuine and it was uh and then the further along we got into the summer and the way he really busted out during Peach Jam and, and kind of took his stock to another level you know he's risen up to a composite five-star now uh because of the way he played over the summer mm-hmm. and, and picked up a lot of offers his recruitment picked up a lot of steam and the further you get away from that visit you start to wonder eh. Is is that going to fade a little bit? Uh, And then next thing you know, he transfers to Link Academy right up the road in in Branson. So uh, a lot closer, and and you feel like that's a good thing for Arkansas. And, you know, I think they're still in great position. And, uh, you know, if I had to pick a leader for Jordan Walsh right now, I'd I'd say Arkansas is, is probably in a good spot there uh did just have a visit to texas that's probably the top competition to watch right now uh, and he has a couple more visits lined up he's headed to memphis this weekend two weeks afterwards uh going to kansas and, and we know how those guys recruit there so uh you know not a done deal yet but arkansas is in a strong position he's so close i, I wouldn't be surprised to to maybe see him down for an unofficial at some point before he makes a decision uh, i think he was hitting at mid to late october
1: all right curtis I think we covered everything we needed to cover. I think so. All right, brother. Well, I appreciate you, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon.
2: It sounds great. Appreciate it.
1: All right. That's Curtis Wilkerson again. You can follow him at Kurt Wilkerson underscore on Twitter, and you'll need a VIP subscription at hogsforce.com Again, it is two months for $1. Right now, if you want to read his basketball insight, um, when it's not just recruiting coverage, it's also his breakdowns of opponents and games and stuff like that. And uh, his most recent article was just a breakdown on everybody that has visited so far uh, for basketball recruiting. Arkansas, speaking of visitors, is going to have a lot of people on campus. Jackson Arnold is one, uh, quarterback out of Denton, Texas, in the class of 2023, uh, four-star also. Uh, Zadavian Sims, a four-star out of Denison, Texas. I mean, this is is just a few I mentioned, like, a a few highlights. Malik Muhammad, a cornerback out of Dallas. South Oak Cliff, who's a four-star, number 70 player overall in the entire country. Braxton Myers, a safety out of Coppell, Texas, number seventy-six uh, overall player in the country on twenty-four-seven Sports. Uh, Jonte Cook, the second, a wide receiver out of DeSoto, Texas, number forty-five player nationally, another four-star. Uh, Anthony James, uh, number one oh one nationally on the composite, number fifty-one nationally on twenty-four-seven Sports, a defensive lineman uh, out of Wiley, Texas. I mean, you can just kind of keep going on and on, and there's more four-stars. I mean. Danny West has the full uh, visit list that you want to go check out at Hogsports, but you need the VIP subscription to do so. I meant to ask this about Curtis, too. Uh, Jer- Justin McBride named his final four, uh, four-star power forward, uh, down to Arkansas, Kansas, Missouri, and Texas Tech. You can read, and that's a free article, actually. You can read what he had to say about Arkansas and his other uh, finalists there, Class of 2023 so and as I mentioned Danny uh, Curtis breaks down all the visitors that have come in uh, to Arkansas this past month okay get to your questions now everybody's got a question let's see Facebook has changed things around for no reason again and makes the questions the comments kind of difficult so and it's not letting me scroll there we go super glitchy Facebook fix it. <laughs> All right. Scott Sparrell says must get in their backfield three man four. Gotta get gotta sack Zach. Uh, what did they give up? They give it like three sacks last week. Uh, let's see. Hogtoons says hello, Trey. Roderick McCullum Jr. Hey Hogtoons. I've seen your stuff. You do good work. We need a hog sports hogtoons. Roderick McCullum says if we can pressure the QB, hogs by ninety. That's going to be – I think that's an interesting matchup with the nose because Ridgeway hasn't had any problems with centers. He's just been manhandling them. And this guy's a freshman, but he's 330. Hawks defense are looking good, so I'll be looking for a few turnovers and a touchdown, and that would be a whole lot of help for the offense. And, I I mean, turnovers are going to be played. I've I've said this before. I don't know if I've said this on the show yet, but I feel the way things are shaping up that Arkansas, if everything is clean in this game – And we know my favorite Houston nut quote, that ball don't bounce straight up and down. But if everything is clean in this game in terms of, you know, equal on penalties, turnovers, the capitalization on those kind of things, capitalization, um, then I think that straight up Arkansas wins the game. I think that they have a better team than Texas A&M does this year. And I know Texas A&M fans are crazy that anybody would predict anybody that Texas A&M – of course that's how Arkansas fans – I can't remember the last time I picked Arkansas to win this game. So – That's how I feel about it. If it's clean, I think Arkansas is going to win the game. Clean for both sides. Definitely would be awesome to get a pick. Six says Billy Harper. Eric Fox says turnover differential will be one of the keys of the game. Always is. Turnovers, special teams, penalties, injuries, always, always are going to be keys to victory. Everybody likes to come up with this long list of keys, but if you don't include those four, then what are you doing? Those are obviously major keys to victory. James Fortenberry says better not count us and the swarming D out. We have good defense as anyone. Casey French Fulton says I'm not sure how much positive or credit how much positive or credit to Arkansas haha. Ha. I'm not sure what you mean in there. Crazy that the Texas A&M rider predicts them to win, huh? Well, I mean, I picked Arkansas to win. Billy Harper said I'm glad to hear Curtis said of the A&M guy. All right. Billy Harper says they haven't seen a quarterback like KJ. No, they haven't seen a quarterback like KJ this year. That's true. Um, They have gone against Haynes King, and Haynes King can really run. I mean, they've gone against their, their own quarterback throughout, you know, fall camp and spring and all that stuff. Haynes King is the real deal, I think. I think he's got a chance to be really good, but not playing in this one. Adrian Jones says Vito will keep booming kickoffs for touchbacks. I mean, that's going to be a, a key role. They like the Muhammad guy just as much as they like Smith. So, if Smith's out, then it sounds like they still got a pretty good replacement. But Vito booms most kicks out of the back of the end zone needs to continue to do that. Scott Sparrell says exactly this game boils down to execution and who makes the least mistakes. Matt Thompson says Trey Knox is fully converted to tight end, or is he still splitting time? I mean, he still splits out, but he's been working at tight end when I've seen him over there. But he's still they still – I mean, I think it's just part of it. They just, they're just they going to split him out. Wide receivers work with tight ends a lot of times too in practice and, you know, in drills and stuff. Arkansas wins 26-24. That's an interesting score. And finally gets over the hump with A&M, says Seth Duvall. Ross Rader says if he adds weight, he will be a matchup nightmare. You're talking about Knox – Kenny Harris says, do you think Sam Pittman might have a pick of Pollard on the bullpen, on the bulletin board, to use his comments to motivate the team? I don't know. I don't know if Pittman does that kind of stuff, kind of gimmicky. Aaron Anderson says, Arkansas, if Arkansas is able to pull off a win against Texas A&M, where do you see them being ranked, and how do you see the season turning out? If Arkansas beats Texas A&M, I mean, it depends on who's in front of them and who falls, right? But you're still going to naturally move up by beating the number five or seven ranked team as you know, at a neutral site, and it's a CBS game, so a lot of people are going to see it. So, if they win, I think it also depends on how how they win. You know, do they barely win, or do they win by a lot? You know, all those are factors. But I think we're looking top twelve, maybe top ten, if Arkansas beats Texas A and And again, it depends on how they do it. And if you do that, then you're looking at a top ten matchup in Athens. How many top ten matchup, SEC matchups are eleven o'clock games? Adrian Jones says, as long as Mark Curls isn't there, yeah, please don't be. Mary Beth Holmes Beeler says, I'm tired of Arkansas not getting any respect. It's our year to beat A&M, and, they, and then maybe they will, we will get our respect. I mean, they're ranked in the top 25. That's, that's pretty good. Arkansas 24, Texas A&M 21, says David Smith. Ryan Horn says, I think. I think Trey Knox could be a different maker this weekend if he can get the running game going. I mean it that's the matchup. Arkansas's offensive line versus their defensive line and vice versa. That's the matchup with this game. I really believe, you know, who wins that battle and both sides kind of have reason to think that they could be okay. I do think that Arkansas has a distinct advantage on the their offensive line versus Arkansas's defensive line especially when you consider the whole front seven with Arkansas's linebackers. I think that there's more of an advantage there, even though Texas A&M's defensive line might be the best in college football, might be that good. I just think Arkansas's offensive line is pretty good also. So, yeah, Arkansas might lose that battle to their defensive line. I mean, probably will based on what everybody says. But I think when you flip it the other way, there's there's a bigger discrepancy. So – Destin Hoofman says, first time in a long time I'm not worried about the game. Comes down to special teams, turnovers, penalties, injuries. Injuries are going to play a role. I mean, is Ricky Stromberg going to play? Is Wagner going to play? Those are really big factors with this one. Mark Jones says, if Arkansas wins, they have a legitimate shot at beating Bama this year. At Bama? I'll have some of what you're having. Joey Hutto says, I'm picking lower score. I think it's going to be 17-10 Arkansas wins. I would It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, most of the time this is a fairly low scoring game all right everybody one more time two months for one dollar at hogsports.com that breaks down to two cents a day 1.6 cents a day not even two cents 11 cents a week 50 cents a month guys that's a hell of a deal sign up find out what you've been missing out if you've ever been teetering maybe i would like to i don't know if you want to support the podcast that we do for free All the free content that we put out on the Facebook page, all that stuff. How can you support? How can you help? We're obviously not doing this because we make money at it. Our bread and butter is the website, Hogsports, and you can sign up for 50 cents a month for the first two months that's that's a great offer so uh go to HAWG Sports. sign up there's no promo code needed just sign up and you'll get the deal all right everybody i want to thank jeff tarpley for joining us providing his insight on texas a&m which was a uh, really impressive great insight there for him of course curtis wilkerson always bringing it with razorback football and basketball recruiting coverage um just does a great job curtis does and, and follow both of those guys at tarp 247 and at kurt wilkerson underscore and um Get all their great content. All right, everybody, we'll see you next time. Walk and talk out of AT&T Stadium. I don't know if I'll do it in AT&T Stadium. It's always tricky getting out of there. Like, I kind of have fun with getting out of Fayetteville. Like, ah, can I go this way? It's kind of like the charm. I'm about to get run over. I can't find my way out of the building, you know, (laughs) that kind of stuff. Uh, But with AT&T, last time I was there, they did a bag check on me to exit the stadium. And I was, like, trying to leave. And they were like, no, like – It was very strange. Like, wouldn't let me – basically, like, I couldn't get out. It was a later game, I guess. But anyway, so uh, we'll see you with the walk and talk out of AT&T Stadium next time. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us. This has been Trey Bitty with hogsports.com, and we'll catch you next time.